0: Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Woodcock, and you're listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. Today is Saturday, November 23rd. Here's what's happening. First off, I'd like to give a little bit of a shameless plug. Um, People who are longtime listeners and readers of my uh, online presence know that I'm on the board of a uh, wonderful nonprofit organization in Columbia, that does a lot to uh, create and bring arts opportunities to uh, the diverse Howard County community and its uh, surrounding environs. And that uh, the board is called the Inter Arbor Trust uh, and we manage Meriwether Park at Symphony Woods. And for those of you who don't know, uh, this is the, uh, these are the woods of about 50 acres uh, surrounding Meriwether Post Pavilion. And uh, we manage and uh, operate the Chrysalis Amphitheater in Symphony Woods. And uh, we have many wonderful future plans, long-term plans in store, uh, which, um, you know, which hopefully will come to pass in the coming years. Uh, but presently, uh, the Interarbor Trust is bringing to Meriwether Park at Symphony Woods the Ice and Fire Festival, a winter wonderland. So this is my shameless plug for all of you to come out to Howard County's only uh, walkable light show. Uh, Very family friendly. Uh, You can take as much time as you'd like to uh, go through the uh, light sculptures that uh, have been built and are being built in the woods. And uh, it starts uh, next Saturday. Next Saturday, November 30th at 5 p.m., uh, the start time is, the, is, the fi- is 5 p.m. for each of these dates, but the dates happen to be November 30th, December 1st, December 7th, December 8th, December 14th and 15th, and the 21st and 22nd. So uh, each, of the, each of the next four weekends after this one, uh, the Ice and Fire Festival is something you're not going to want to miss. Uh, the pricing for uh, tickets are um, at the gate, adults are $9, children four and over are $7, and three and under are free. Uh, for walk-up tickets, uh, add $3, so adults would be $12, children four and over $10, and children three and under are free, so, uh, so um, you can save money through on your ticket at the gate through a uh, donation to the community action council of, of Howard County. Um, but, uh, there's more details about this on the, uh, on the Facebook page for the ice and fire festival. Just uh, look it up on Facebook or Google ice and fire festival or Merriweather park at symphony woods, uh, or, um, feel free to go to our website, which is www.innerarbortrust.org. That's I-N-N-E-R-A-R-B-O-R-T-R-U-S-T dot org. The Ice and Fire Festival is something that all Howard County is talking about, and you don't want to miss it, so... Uh, please feel free to come to this uh, low-cost, family-oriented community event uh, going on very near you. All right, so several things I have to talk about today. Uh, Three big things, or maybe four big things, and then um, at the end, we're going to provide a schedule update because with the holiday week, uh, that provides opportunity for me to bring much more to you and dig into greater detail than typically we do in these podcasts, uh, which are pretty detailed. Uh, So here's what's going on in the community. Uh, The Howard County Public School System has passed its redistricting plan. Uh, Slightly over 5,400 students are going to be affected by the moves of this redistricting plan, which is about a 10th Uh, give or take, of the total school population, uh, student population in the Howard County Public Schools. And as was expected, there are a lot of people who uh, are angry about this plan. Frankly, um, it seems to me that the angrier people are the ones who were against any sort of redistricting from the beginning. Uh, They don't really seem to be giving the Board of Education credit that they were listened to. And the original 7,800 student uh, moving plan was altered through various ways, uh, not just in the types of student polygons that were moved or the number and names of them, uh, but also in the number of students total who were moved. Uh, only 5,400 instead of 7,800. So uh, talk about some sore winners. And uh, there's already been talk of lawsuits being filed by some of these redistricting opponents that, uh, that uh, claim that the redistricting was unfair, that there was not enough public process. Um You know, which I I don't know how one could say there was not enough public process. This was nothing but a public process. So it sounds to me to be a little bit ridiculous, but okay, Um, I would caution those people who are thinking about filing lawsuits uh, who were opponents of the redistrict of the original redistricting plan, because once they do that, they are going to invite lawsuits from the folks who supported the original redistricting plan. So uh, if we want to just uh, bottle this up in the courts for time memorial, uh, we can, but who is not being served by any of this is Howard County school children. Uh, this is the outcome I figured would come all along uh, and, and um, to see uh, people behave like sore winners Uh, is truly one of the most obnoxious things that uh, I ever experience in in my personal or professional life. So uh, these people really ought to grow up and get a clue. Um, So now there's fallout, you know, now there are repercussions, now there are consequences, right? So I did post to my Facebook page yesterday or two days ago, rather, uh, that I that I, I I hope and expect that the board members, the board of education members, own this plan, and that uh, they work to uh, you know on you know that there's a universal recognition that school equity is a serious issue in Howard County, and many people who didn't want to be moved said. We will do work to make sure that the less-resourced schools are better resourced. Um, you know, I hope our school board members um, um, take, take note of that and, in fact, take action and hold those people accountable uh, for their actions. And I did hear back from two of the seven uh, school board members, which was very nice of them to respond. And uh, I take them at their word for what they're saying. Uh, But I, for what I'm going to be watching, um, because I think that, you know, I I, I think that uh, votes have consequences. And even if you don't vote on the majority in a certain vote, and I have been in that situation before uh, in my civic life, um, you know, even if you're on a board with which you don't agree, you have to abide by their decision and you need to enforce their decision. Uh, So... um, You know, that's that's simply the way it is. But that also means that you can still work on the issues of which you care about. So we will see what happens there. Um, Of course, this vote just came down Thursday late at night. So, you know, the next step, uh, next steps, you know, the healing, the community part that I've talked about in earlier podcasts. uh, That is yet to happen. So, you know, there's a lot of anger about this, Um, you know, there are people who want reform to the school board. Uh, I've heard uh, mentions in the community about Howard County should maybe even do away with its uh, elected school board and go to an appointed school board. Uh, I think that's a bad idea. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me Uh, when other jurisdictions like Baltimore County and Anne Arundel County are now finally just going to uh, elected or at least partially elected school boards. And when we just uh, voted in Howard County to make our school board elections more local and have the uh, members elected at large and also by council district. Uh, I think to go backwards to that would be a very bad step. And I would also say be careful what you wish for, uh, because uh, one day there's going to be a county executive who has a radically different ideology than you do. And uh, they are going to stack that deck with school board members who agree with them, and then they are going to saddle the next county administration uh, with with that and that would with with a uh, school board that doesn't agree with him or her uh, and and that doing so I think furthermore um, you know I I've, I've I have said before that the uh, the Board of Education is a de facto third branch of government in Howard County. You have the county executive, you have the county council. Of course we do not have a county based uh, court, Uh, You know, the courts are all, you know, state of Maryland organizations, but uh, the school board, the Department of Education um, is a de facto third branch of government. Um, You know, they're not a check and balance on the other two branches, except they are kind of, not really directly, but in the way that Uh, They have influence and exert influence um, on the county council and the way the county council influences them. And the same thing goes with the county executive and their office. Um, It kind of is. And I would, uh, you know, having an appointed school board would be kind of like sacking the Supreme Court or the Maryland Court of Appeals, in my opinion. Uh, This would not be something that uh, it would not be something that I think we'd want. Uh, I understand the sentiment and I understand the the feelings after this redistricting kerfuffle, but I I don't think that's the solution. So uh, that's how I feel there. Uh, On a couple more issues, uh, the Seventh District uh, Congressional, uh, Seventh Congressional District special election field is set. And, whoa, it's a big one. Uh, it's about 30 candidates, um, and uh, two of whom I would like to point out who have uh, filed late. There's a number of interesting names in here. Maya Rockymore-Cummings, uh, uh, Senator, uh, Senator Jill Carter, uh, Delegate Tomovich Branch, um, but two other names that stick out on the Democrat, Kwasi and fume uh, two other names that stick out are uh, state delegate Terry Hill from Howard County um, you know I personally know dr. Hill um, she is a terrific uh, state delegate for the West Columbia Elk Ridge Ellicott City uh, Catonsville Arbutus area um, and um, you know I I um, I think she could be a formidable candidate. She's the only Howard County Democrat in the race. Delegate Vanessa Atterbury and County Executive Ball issued statements that they were not interested in the seat. Um, But um, Delegate Hill could be a very formidable candidate. Uh, She will rack up a lot of votes in West Columbia uh, and throughout her district that overlap with the 7th. And, um, you know, in in an election where maybe 20 percent of the primary vote wins, um, you know, she could almost get there uh, with Howard County alone. And, of course, she'll pick up smatterings from elsewhere. Um, So um, don't rule her out as being one of the top contenders for this seat. The other candidate who should not be a top contender for any seat and, in fact, should not even be uh, running for re-election to his own seat in the Maryland House of Delegates is Dr. J. Jalisi from Baltimore County. Uh, This is an individual who's recently had uh, complaints filed against him by his staff uh, for being uh, very verbally and emotionally abusive towards his staff. Um, you know, uh, by all intents and purposes and by everything I hear, not a good guy. Uh, so we do not want Dr. Jay DeLisi in the, in the U.S. Congress. Uh, frankly, we do not want him in the Maryland General Assembly. Uh, but Terry Hill is uh, somebody who could play a big role in this race uh, by the time it's said and done. And only, well, gee whiz, only a little over two months, about two and a half months. So uh, we shall see how this goes between now and then. Uh, A couple other issues of national importance I want to hit on uh, before wrapping up. The uh, latest Democratic debate happened uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, I thought it was a very strong debate for two candidates for uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Mayor Pete is very close to becoming the third of the Democratic candidates who I contribute to. Um, I am very impressed by him with each debate performance, very impressed by how he is progressing as a candidate. Um, I see a lot of development and refinement in his message, and he is looking and sounding presidential. And uh, I, I think at this point it would be very hard to deny Mayor Pete a uh, spot on the ticket if he, in fact, should not be the nominee. Uh, and and honestly, I, I believe that the front runners for this nomination right now are Senator Warren and Mayor Pete. So uh, we will see how that progresses. But the other candidate who I thought did very well, and you have heard me sing her praises before, but I've also been critical of her, is senator amy klobuchar from minnesota Uh, she is very her her points and her uh debating was very much on point very much on message uh very much stuck to her achievements and accomplishments and her special competencies that qualify her to be president and uh you know if you do look at senator klobuchar's record and history um, you know, yeah, there was a very early shade throwing story out about staffers and how she treats staffers. So, Bill, how can you hate Dr. Jay Gelezi and, and love Senator Amy Klobuchar? Um, you know, um, there's a difference between being abusive and exerting your power over somebody and having high standards. And uh, nothing that were in any of the any of the stories that were related to Senator Klobuchar uh, spoke to being abusive. They spoke to having high standards, uh, but not being abusive. And to be honest, even the stories about Senator Klobuchar, uh, if this was a male candidate, uh, I don't think they would have made it. But you know, we as a society still have problems about women who achieve. So I, you know, I have a problem with that. But um, anyway, haven't heard anything about those stories. Wonder why? Uh, probably because they're nonsense. And, uh, you know, you look at her record and look at her history of getting things done, of bipartisanship, uh, looking at, at the hand she has used to craft her seat, uh, you know, a very guiding, um, intentional hand And uh, frankly, I believe her temperament and her style is is what's going to be sorely needed uh, in the post-Trump era. Um, You know, as I've said before, I think she can I think she could be America's mom. And, you know, mom will will never all you know, will never always tell you what you need to hear or will never always tell you what you want to hear. But she'll tell you what you need to hear. And she's always going to love you no matter what. And uh, that's, that's what I see with uh, Senator Klobuchar. I thought Senator Warren gave another good performance. Um, I have to admit, uh, I was not impressed by either Senator Sanders or particularly by Vice President Biden. Um, they're both looking and sounding, um, I would call it like it is, a little bit tired uh, and a little bit worn out. Uh, so I, I hope both of those gentlemen, well, um, I certainly hope they do well. And of course I will support whoever the democratic nominee is in this election, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, but I'm having to start to wonder if, if, uh, there aren't other places to look other than Senator Biden or, well, he is, he was Senator Biden, but vice president Biden and Senator Sanders. Um, you know all the more interesting uh, what's going to happen if uh, with uh, Michael Bloomberg and uh, former governor uh, for Massachusetts Deval Patrick if their if their campaigns take off or, or frankly even happen and uh, I could not let this, uh, this um, uh, podcast go by without at least talking a little bit about the uh, about the uh, The impeachment uh, hearings. The last of the televised impeachment hearings uh, were on TV last week. And wow, um, there was a lot there. Uh, Most of it was a repetition of what we already knew, but there were some new developments and some, um, uh, how should I say, uh, validations of earlier findings which came in most interesting ways. So, um, we're gonna, you know, um, the it looks like the uh, work has now gone back to the House of Representatives. Uh, it looks like they are going to do their work of crafting articles of impeachment, which the, the Intelligence Committee will, will vote on uh, to refer to the entire House. And then uh, the House will vote on articles of impeachment sometime in December and then uh, the Senate will hold a trial in January. So this is uh, this is history, folks. Uh, this is only the fourth time in American history, uh, third time though in the last fifty years that this has happened. And um, you know, for the president to say, uh, you know, on Friday on Fox and Friends, bring it on. You know, I welcome a trial. Um, yeah, that's just Trump's uh, litigious nature. Uh, of course, he loves a legal fight, uh, but he shouldn't want this fight. Uh, and, and you know, the American people are a little bit reeling by this now. Uh, I think that there's a sense of confusion about what is this all about? Uh, how is this different from the Mueller investigation? This, that, and the other. Uh, And I think Democrats are going to have to sort that out, but they have the upcoming um, debate over the Articles of Impeachment and, of course, the Senate trial to sort it out and clarify it. Uh, And and frankly, won't it be a terrific asset to have the senators, uh, Klobuchar, Harris, Booker, um, Warren, uh, uh, Michael Bennett, uh, who are running for president, uh, won't it be good to have Sanders, um, won't it be good to have them uh, on the floor of the Senate uh, stating that case and arguing that case? Um, you know, Senator Harris claimed that she's there to prosecute, prosecute the case against Donald Trump. Sounds like she's going to have her opportunity. So... Um, You know, I I think ultimately, I think this is, you know, it's bad to say that there's political advantage, but I do think that ultimately the people will understand uh, what is going on here, and I'm not sure, and it probably won't hurt the... uh, the uh, the very angry uh, 30% of the electorate who loves Trump no matter what. Um, but I do think it's going to cut into that base. And I think that those sentiments you see in swing states where they're generally more against impeachment than for it, I do think that's going to, I do think that's going to change. Um, what's interesting about those polls in the swing state is, you know, I think that there's a perception that the only reason why this impeachment is happening or the primary reason why it's happening is to get Trump out of office. Uh, I don't think that there's that much of a realization about what impeachment is, that impeachment is simply indicting, uh, for want of a better term, or accusing uh, the president of high crimes and misdemeanors, um, and that the trial actually removes them from office. So with, do you support the impeachment and removal of Trump via, you know, from office um, is one question. Uh, Do you support the removal of Trump via the ballot box is another question. And on that later score, uh, people do seem pretty much in favor of that, even in the swing states, except for Wisconsin, uh, which is the most conservative leaning of the swing states. So... You know, or of of at least those states that uh, Trump broke through the blue wall last time. I'm not sure you can count Wisconsin, or for that matter, Florida uh, in a blue wall at all. But uh, more to come on that. I've been meaning to read up on politics from Wisconsin to see how how it went from one of the most liberal states in the nation to being one of the more conservative ones now. Uh, I think there are lessons to be learned here in Maryland. Anyway, uh, lots of thoughts on that, obviously. Uh, More on those as the week progresses. And as to the week, that brings me to my last issue item for the day, the schedule of this fine podcast production. Uh, We are going to be bringing to you uh, no fewer than five episodes of Florida Maryland over eight days, uh, beginning today. Uh, We will also be broadcasting Monday evening. Monday evening will be a Baltimore Ravens-focused episode of the podcast. Uh, You know, uh, observations and thoughts on the first half of the Ravens-Rams Monday night football game. So uh, be prepared to bring your – be prepared to put on your eye black and on halftime, you know, wear your purple. You know, if you've got a purple helmet, go out there and, and, and get it on. And um, and that was hearkening back to a very famous post in the Howard County Times. That will go nameless. Uh, and we'll have stuff to talk about. So uh, that will be Monday's episode. On Monday, on Wednesday's episode, we'll be coming to you Wednesday night as everybody's leaving for the holiday. And uh, we're going to be talking a little Thanksgiving, uh, a little Black Friday. Uh, so, uh, and a little bit about this new Thanksgiving tradition of going out and shopping. On Friday, uh, the we're going to be talking a lot about what's going on with the Baltimore Sun. Uh, there's new ownership coming in place in the Sun, and it doesn't necessarily seem to be a good thing. Uh, and then on, on then on Sunday evening, it's going to be a uh, recap of the week's news and events and all the wacky goings on that are happening in Maryland, the United States, and the world. So uh, five big episodes for you, a veritable potpourri of topics. So uh, they're there, there going to be podcasts that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, But tonight's episode, or today's episode, has now come to an end. I hope you have enjoyed yourself this fine Saturday. And uh, thank you for listening. So, uh, as again, always grateful for your support. You have been listening to Forward Maryland. My name's Bill Woodcock. Take care, everybody. Have a great day.